the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 970 presents Eye on Real Estate. This is your premier source for real estate information. From the hot properties in the tri-state to the latest in real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all of your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. Call now, 866-970-9622. 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elements Vice Chair, Dottie Herman. It's I on Real Estate. Michael Harrison sitting in with Dottie Herman, guest hosting, uh, co-hosting this weekend. And uh, it's been a very interesting show. We have the entire A-team here. Aswatana Suparp is uh, from the Citizens Bank. He's Senior Vice President, National Director of Strategic Sales at Citizens. And Citizens is the sponsor of the program, and uh, we are grateful to them for the support of this program. And Citizens, their name is Citizens because that's what the bank was founded to do, to help citizens, regular people, not just big corporations. Check out the website, easycitizensbank.com, 800-922-9999. And uh, Steve Ebert is with us. He is uh, he's the legal mind here at this, uh, this uh, symposium, if you will. He's a partner at the uh, law firm of Casson and Casson and uh, has uh, really been providing a tremendous legal perspective to this discussion. Okay, here comes hour number two. If you want to join us uh, by phone, uh, in about a half hour, we'll open the phones at 866-970-9622, and you'll be saying hi to Alex, who will uh, be uh, the first person you talk to. And uh, Dottie, uh, we've been talking yeah. a lot about Manhattan-oriented real estate thus far this morning, and it's a fascinating subject. I saw an article earlier this week in the New York Times. It was a special story about a young couple that wanted to be in Manhattan but found that they were able to be close to Manhattan, be in the city, be part of the buzz that you discussed and uh, the infrastructure uh, and the convenience, but they found that they had a better deal by moving to the uh, the Riverdale section of the Bronx uh, and were very happy there. And the article went on to infer that um, there are many opportunities to have the New York experience without necessarily buying in the the borough of Manhattan. What are your thoughts about that? Well, I think that's an individual decision. I, I think that, you know, you have to weigh out space. I mean, and, and you know, the... Majority of buyers now are millennials. Um, they are the largest demographic that are buying real estate, and they're at the age where they're having kids and children. And you know, you get more for your money outside of New York City. So, um, again, it, you have to look at the commute and you know see if that's doable and if you don't mind that. Um, but that's how Brooklyn became Brooklyn. I mean, Brooklyn at one time was really not a big deal. And then all of a sudden, you know, Manhattan became so expensive that people said, well, we'll, we'll move to Brooklyn. It's close enough. And then Long Island City, that's another story in itself. Nobody really lived there. And it's, it's like one train stop, if I'm not mistaken, to Manhattan. 
and boy, did they build up Long Island City, and, and you, you have great views there, and uh, you're relatively close to the city. So, you know, it's really uh, an individual decision on, on whether you want space, more space, or you want, more, uh, you, want a, you know, a, a cheaper price, or you want to be in the midst of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or if you want to catch up, or if you want to catch a, a bargain in a place that's going to be um, gaining value, I mean that's also something. You know, maybe a, a certain part of Queens or a certain part of Brooklyn is a good buy today, but based upon certain social and business perspective or prospectuses, um, ha- has a chance to um, increase in value. I had a conversation recently with a, a, a friend. We all know him. He's a broadcaster and a businessman in New York, John Katsimatidis. Yeah. Uh, And and John and I were talking about this subject, um, about um, the outer boroughs and about real estate properties. And I just casually said to him, I said, you know what the most underutilized, undervalued property, in my humble amateur opinion, in all of New York City, is the beachfront property at Coney Island. Oh, and he's, you know, because Coney Island has gone through lots of problems over the decades and it has a glorious history. And having come from Brooklyn and being a boomer, I have really special memories of the Mecca for kids back when I was growing up at Coney Island. But, you know, when you think about this beachfront, this boardwalk, uh, the, the South Shore of Brooklyn, uh, tied into the, you know, we used to call it the BMT, the, the, the trains and everything. It's, it's fa- and he said, Michael. You're reading my mind. I just bought a, a, a big space of real estate. I'm building towers in Coney Island based upon the premise that this area can come back. Um, Ace, what are your thoughts about um, getting a good bargain uh, in outer borough properties that have a chance of turning around? I think if you're looking at um, better bargains, right, Michael? It's it's usually always the fixer up, and uh, you know I, I think it's it's really identifying inventory that fits your needs, and really looking at you know what what is value to you, right? Um, you know, obviously there's a huge sort of bidding war out in the suburbs, so um, hopefully, and 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 that's what I always tell younger sort of millennials that are looking to come into the um, I guess home buying process for the first time. Right, a lot of them are looking for sort of brand new, but sometimes maybe priced out of their price point. So I'll I'll usually tell them, look, it's always great, just like what we're doing on this radio show, where we have, you know, uh, Dottie as a subject matter expert, probably in almost all things real estate. You have Stephen Ebert as an attorney, and myself as finance. You want to do that when you're purchasing a home, especially when you're doing a fixer upper, where you may want to partner up with a contractor, maybe have them do a three. 3D rendering so you can actually picture how the home will look like um, because it's, it's very hard for folks to sometimes see a, a, a house that may not be in, in the best condition and sort of imagine what the potential could be, right? So I always tell them, you know, partner with the contractor first, interview a couple of contractors that you feel comfortable, and then go out and seek that home that needs a little bit of tender love and care. And for the most part, you'll have a great um, price. And also there's options with banks um, that can also give you a construction to perm, which really means that you can actually finance the construction into the loan where you're not really coming out of pocket any additional costs. So there's a little bit of awareness, a little bit of education, and a little bit of preparing to kind of get that 
um, sort of deal that folks are looking for. So how interesting so what you're saying. What you're saying. What you're saying, Ace, is Ace. You're saying that um, the the pl- it goes beyond the price of the property. One could make a presentation Correct. to the bank, including repairs and upgrades, as part of the yeah. initial financed investment. That's a that's Definitely, an interesting. Mike. Interesting. Ace, aspect. you touched on a point that maybe you could elaborate on. If you are buying a property, regardless of where it is, and it needs work. There's actually mortgages, and Ace can tell you about that, where you can actually put the construction costs into the loan. Ace, would you just explain that to people? Definitely, Dottie. And, and, and it's one of those adage um, sort of products that people don't really know about, right? So it's not every bank um, offers a construction to perm uh, loan. Here at Citizens Bank, that actually is one of our niche products. So how it works is it's very attractive. Let's say there's a, a home that's a little bit run down. It's going for 500000 um, You have, let's say, a little bit of money for the down payment. What you can do is have a contractor come in, assess, see what the cost of fixing up the home will be. So let's just say it's 500000 You need to put put in another 500000 to to make the math simple. So it's a million dollars after everything's all said and done. You don't need to come out of pocket on the additional 500000 What the bank will do is they'll take the total price, a million dollars, and then they'll also um, allow you to put at least 20% down. So you're actually 200000 out of pocket, but you're borrowing 800000 along with the construction costs. So the bank will actually take the cost of the home itself, add on the cost to repair, and then have you put down a percentage, usually around 20%, if it's a construction loan, on the overall loan, not not just the first mortgage, right? So it's, if it's 500 plus another 500 on the fixer-upper, then they'll take that million and then let you put down 20% of that million, which is 200, and let you borrow 800000 So it's an amazing product where you can literally finance a majority of the um, construction costs into the loan. Fascinating. Um, I want to backtrack just for a second. Um, Steve, uh, we were talking about uh, the outer boroughs, and I just want to touch on it one more time before we move forward. I gather from uh, the conversation we had earlier that your basic area of living and working is Westchester. Am I correct? Uh, that's correct. So but what should we what should Westchester, we know? But we do. Yeah, I mean, I mean, gets a little personal background. Grew up in Long Island, lived in Manhattan for many years now in Westchester. And as a law firm, we have offices in in Westchester and Manhattan, so we geographically do cover a lot of the state. But, you know, on a daily basis, you know, obviously around Westchester, the, um, I mean, there's so many opportunities, and what I would say, more important than the market, you have a sub-market. And that's really true in the suburbs, too. When you think about it, right, you look at Manhattan, you see Upper East Side, Upper West Side, Financial District, Battery Park, you'll have Tribeca, Soho. Etc. Same thing's true in Westchester. You know, certain parts of the county is more of an exurb experience. Some areas more developed. We have waterfront areas, um, areas that are a little more commercial, um, areas where you can have, you know, a 20-acre estate. So I think one of the most important things is when you're figuring out where to live or where to invest in is to truly understand that sub-market um, so you can really make a right financial decision as well as an experience for living. 
Mm-hmm. But what, yeah, Westchester does offer all different kinds of environments. I know people in Westchester that, uh, that you'd think they're living out in the in the woods, in the wilderness, and other parts of Westchester are extremely urban. What they all have in common is proximity to New York and proximity to get out of New York. <laughs> it's 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 equally important, I think, to be able to leave the tri-state area conveniently as it is to get into the inner part of the tri-state area. Does that make sense, what I'm saying, Steve? That, you know, you guys could jump on the road and head out to New England. Absolutely. And you're seeing that in the more sophisticated developers, right? You see some developers who have built, particularly in the southern part of the county, what you ought to call a Manhattan-esque experience, right? It will be walk to the train station, walk to town, condo towers, um... And so, really, you have more of that urban experience, but you are in the suburbs, and the price points are more attractive. And then you have folks who are really trying to get that extra space. And and it gets into a very also interesting conversation as we talk about um, energy usage, as we're talking about how we're evolving as to electric generation, right? This past year... Indian Point, the nuclear reactor in the northwest corner of Westchester, right on the Hudson, the third, um, the third tower was shut down. So now you had the nuclear power plant, which provided about 25 percent of the electricity to New York City, Westchester, and the Hudson Valley, has been shut down deliberately um, by the state, um, and um, in the idea of just changing how energy is produced and provided. So. What you're also seeing when you have in some of the suburban areas the use of solar and how you can do that in construction builds. So it's, it's really an interesting time, and it really gives an opportunity for people who are being strategic when they're either building new product or doing substantial renovations, how to think about really how they're using their property yet again. Hmm. And Dottie, what's the strategy? What's the latest in terms of what people should know about Long Island real estate? Um, Long Island is so long and so diverse. You've got the Brooklyn and Queens, which are technically part of Long Island. And Nassau County, where I grew up, um, is, is a whole issue. The North Coast and, you know, the North Shore and the South Shore have differences. Then you head out into Suffolk. And then you have the Hamptons, which is a whole other world. And then you have on the up north of the Hamptons is you have the North Fork, which is a whole different deal. What's the status at this moment in terms of an overview of Long Island real estate? Well, I would say pretty much across the country, uh, real estate has been, you know, who, who, would, who would think? I mean, when we went back to the pandemic and we shut down, who would think real estate would hit the roof? Um, so everybody was buying real estate and... Um, Long Island obviously went way up, as did the Hamptons. I mean, as did Westchester. Everything went up. Actually, if you were looking for a great deal, you probably would have found them in the city, uh, more so than any place else. Hmm. And that's starting to dry up because the prices are are starting to come back in the city and rentals are starting to come up again. Uh, Again, I look at the lifestyle, okay? And, like, you know, and I, I love John. But, you know, just to pick a place and say, well, it was cheaper, well, it's more than the price. You have to look at what other things are going for. You have to look at, for example, um, in, in, in Queens, in, 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 in New York, in Brooklyn, where people use a lot of mass transit, 
a property will go for more because there's a subway or there's a, you know, or there's, there's something that you can get to that's close. Um, I think you have to kind of look at the overall lifestyle you want. You have to look at the commute. Uh, you have to look at what's more important to you. So, so, uh, you know, so again, so again, a lot are. of it is that, yeah, I, I guess I was, I was thinking also in terms of just opportunities to get a value, like uh, if there's any, you know, people well, listening to you this. You know what? Here's what I tell people, you know, and I did this for when I was really, you know, just starting the business. Everyone says, Dottie, or they're going to say, give me, tell me about this, a great deal. No one says, oh, by the way, tell me about the most overpriced property you have. Okay, <laughs> I mean, so everyone's. You have to do your homework, and it's relatively easy now because you can go to Zillow, you can go to any of the websites, you can see what things sold for, and it's really interesting. In the suburbs, school district plays a very important part of pricing. I imagine it does. So you I mean, can have two years. identical houses, maybe a block away, and let's assume that they were the exact same house. And one of them goes for a lot less. And you say, oh, my God, what a great deal. This is the same house a block or two away. This house was a lot more. And it might be because it's in a different school district. Mm-hmm. So you really want to also do your homework. It's probably, for most people, their largest investment. I would ride around the area. If it's a building that you're going to buy into a building, I would go into the building, ask people how they like it. Um, if you have children, I would visit the school. If you have special needs kids or maybe you have kids that are talented in basketball or something, you want to find out about the schools because those all play factors. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you look at an area, if you start to see that, you know, you start to see stores opening and things happening, um, then usually that means it's kind of an upcoming area. I do find that there's generational differences, though, and um, this is my opinion. I've been in the business a long time, and I find that the millennials really want to be connected all the time. They um, really don't want to have to drive 20 miles just to get to the nearest store. So, you know, so I think that looking at all of those factors, um, if you have children, do you want to be in a state that's far away from everything, and then every time your, kid, your child has to go to have a play date or something, you want to drive 20 minutes, I think you have to really have that conversation. I then think you have to focus on an area. And then what I see people do, which you can't do, you shouldn't do, is different areas that have different prices. So you can't look at one area and then go, oh, my God, I got a great deal, but it's just another area because it might be going for a lot less. Mm-hmm. So you want to see what sales are, how long it takes things to sell. That's another thing. I always look at days on market. You know, did this property, let, you know, is, has it been on the market a year or has it just come on the market? Um, but real estate isn't just about a home anymore. It's about a lifestyle. Very interesting. And you know, I was thinking back to when you're talking about 
a house near the school. And the house could be a block from the school, or the house could be located across the street from the school. <laughs> and then there's different way that people interpret that. I want my kid just to go right across the street to the school, or, oh my God, I don't want all those kids in front of my house. I want to be a block away. The music's playing. We're going to be back uh, in a moment. By the way, folks, uh, if you want to join us with a phone call, you can in the next half hour. 866 866- 970-9622 is the telephone number. Give us a call. We'll put you on the air. And uh, we're going to continue our discussion about real estate, all aspects of it. Dottie Herman, I'm Michael Harrison, her sidekick today. Ace and Steve are with us. Eight Watanasu Rapap and uh, Steve Ebert. And uh, you, Alex, is on the front line. We're all together here, and the program is I on Real Estate. Route 22 Toyota. All right, Alex Kinsella, he wants you to know that due to the current landscape in the automotive industry, your current vehicle has never been worth more. That's right. Alex told me that he's paying overbooked value for all makes and models. So get over to Route 22 Toyota in Hillside, New Jersey right now and find out how much your vehicle is worth, whether you lease, finance your vehicle, or own it outright. It's worth more now than ever before. Alex says it does not matter if you purchase or lease a new vehicle. They're offering overbooked value for any make or model. Supply is low, which means your vehicle is in demand. And our friends at Route 22 Toyota, they are making it worth your time it's 973-705-8905 you speak to someone on alex's team you get more than ever before for your current vehicle the address at route 22 toyota is 109 route 22 west in hillside new jersey 973-705-8905 or start here please route 22 toyota.com Quality NPI engineer, Peloton Interactive, Inc. in New York, New York. Job description, conduct complex industrial and manufacturing engineering tasks to plan and design procedures and tools to be employed in new product development. Work with design, manufacturing, and supplier teams to ensure the best product is produced to meet capacity, reliability, and design objectives. Develop and implement engineering operating processes and systems applying advanced product quality planning, APQP principles, to improve product quality and resolve or mitigate malfunction risks in Peloton's new product development pipeline. Lead 8D process improvements for attacking and resolving critical and blocking issues facing product development and production. Lead deployment of quality engineering tools, recommending design and process changes to improve the efficiency of development, transfer, and maintenance of products and process throughout the product life cycle. Develop, improve, document, and assist in deployment of organizational quality system, recommending design and process modifications to eliminate product and system malfunctions and improve quality. Establish and review procedures for supply of materials and parts, reviewing and signing off on PPAP submissions from suppliers. Participate in creation of investigative tools relating to faulty designs to identify product and process failures and recommend remedial actions which eliminate or reduce product risk. May telecommute from any location within the U.S. Resume to christina.ellis at onepeloton.com, job code 49134.00108. That's christina.ellis at onepeloton.com, job code 49134.00108. Your business is ready for a reboot, a recharge. The way our companies operate has changed. The changes haven't been easy, but there's help. The marketing team at Salem Surround gives you the tools needed to stand out and be visible to current and potential customers online right now looking for what you do. We can design a plan that targets potential customers with proven marketing strategies. Learn more at surroundnewyork.com. Surroundnewyork.com. Connecting you with new customers. 
It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elliman's Vice Chair, Dottie Herman. I can't believe how fast this time is going, and, and my head is just uh, throbbing with information. I'm the layman in the group, and uh, here as a, a co-host with Dottie as she recuperates, and uh, but is a trooper and is here with us anyway, and her recuperation, thank goodness, is uh, very swift and uh, solid. So, Dottie, we, we salute you, and we're so glad that you're feeling better and better. You sure thank have you. been. You've been full of great information today. Uh, Ace Watanasuparp who is the Senior Vice President and National Director of Strategic Sales at Citizens Bank. Citizens Bank, a very, very valuable company for people interested in real estate. Uh, they have the name Citizens because the bank was founded to help citizens, regular folks, not just big corporations. Citizensbank.com, and the number is 800-922-9999. And Steve Ebert is at the table. He's a partner at the law firm Casson and Casson, and uh, they are real estate specialists. So between the, the three... Folks, uh, we got it covered. I did mention that we would take some calls this half hour, 866-970-9622. And uh, Alex Garrett on the front line taking the calls and running the operation technically has informed me that uh, we have a bunch of folks on the line. And let's start with Sarah in the Bronx. Sarah, welcome to Ion Real Estate. Hi there. Hello, Dottie. I hope you feel better real soon. Thank you. I have a question for the attorney. Um, my question is, what is the difference between a quit claim and a force sale? And this is regarding EIRS, H-E-I-R-S, property. So, guess, thank you for calling. Guess so I'm, guess I'm clear on the question. A court claim, you said, and a forced sale? What's the question? Quit. Q-U-I-T. Okay. I think that's yeah, what quick it's claim. called. Yeah, quick claim. Sure, sure. So let me give a little bit of background. Um, so there's different types of what we call deeds, and that's the document that transfers ownership from the current owner to someone else. Um, and what happens is, depending upon the deed that you have, there's a certain level or lack of quality in the representations that the seller has given. And what I mean by that, in certain types of deeds, like a general warranty deed or a special warranty deed, the seller is making some affirmations to you, the buyer, that they have the owner, that title is clear within the deed itself. In a quick claim deed, what the seller is literally saying is, I'm going to give you whatever I have as an ownership stake in this property, and I make absolutely no promise or representation that I even own it. It's just whatever I have, I'm giving to you. And there could be defects, there could not be defects, but you're really not getting any warranty behind it. And so it's very, very important um, that obviously one searches the records, and that's where a buyer's attorney would work with a title insurance company to make sure the property is free and clear, no mortgages, the taxes are paid, things like that. Does that help you, Sarah? No. No, okay. Maybe, maybe um, I need to rephrase the question. What is the best best method to pursue resolving ears property and getting it in one person's name? Well, you, you, well. So what you have to do in that case is first, when it comes to real estate, you got to establish where you currently are, right? So to give 
you know, the perfect answer in each case is unique is one, one would do a title search. So as an attorney representing a buyer to try to figure out and clear title to make sure all the ownership is exactly where it is without defects and other creditors or liens or judgments, we would get a title search on the property and first figure out what all the problems are. And then what we do is one by one, make sure corrective action is taken as needed to make sure that ownership is properly established and any of those defects, which can vary. And obviously without knowing the specifics on a property, we wouldn't know everything associated with that property um, are cleared up. So that's sort of the order of operations. First, you gotta know all the facts and then one by one systematically work through them and clear them out. Final question. Do you have a telephone number that I could contact you? Sure, yeah. We, um, Al, Al, you know what? Alex can give all the contact details, absolutely, um, so that we can be in touch. Be happy. To be Very good. Touch. What we'll do is we're going to let you go, Sarah. Good luck with whatever your your circumstances are. Alex uh, Garrett uh, will uh, will talk to you as soon as uh, you know. I say goodbye in 10 seconds, and uh, hopefully you'll be able to hook up with Steve Ebert and uh, deal with it uh, more specifically. Thank you for the call, Sarah. It's nice having you on the program. Um, and uh, something something came up in that discussion that I do want to mention. Uh, a show like this, a, a professional show like this, where uh, general information is imparted to the public, uh, and uh, Steve, uh, you certainly can answer this or, or shed light on it. There's only so far one can go in giving information. There's a point at which one out of uh, fiduciary responsibility and, and legal responsibility as a licensed agent of a certain area of discipline, uh, one should then uh, say, go see a lawyer, go see a doctor. Uh, I cannot tell you more because I don't know the specifics, that diagnosis, if you will. Am I correct? You're absolutely, absolutely right on point, and I appreciate you saying that. So, yeah, especially as an attorney, um, you know, you want, one wants to be careful. You know, on this show, we can only cover so much, and we appreciate the great questions that we get. Um, and, and there's really just general statements. It's not considered an attorney-client relationship or specific advice in, in one particular transaction. You know, our, our hope is that we give good general guidance and interest, but you're exactly right, and thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, it's important. Uh, the, the medical shows deal with that on even a more profound level, but attorney-client privilege and, and, and attorney-client uh, relations are right up there in terms of uh, specialization and uh, special consideration with a doctor-patient relationship. So I just, I just want to point that out because uh, I felt that, um, that Sarah was hoping for more than you could be expected to answer, or more uh, precisely, that would be responsible <laughs> for you to True. answer. But, you know, but I think that I think in, in, in anything, a quick claim deed has the least protection. And I think if you're buying something, you'd want something a little bit stronger than that. <laughs> mm. Say, I, I know nothing of that stuff. So to me, I was listening as a, again, as a, as a layman. And uh, in my role here, um, uh, which I'm honored to be in this week, in the past couple of weeks. Well, I thank I'm... you so much because I wouldn't have gotten through this without you alone. I, but um, it, there, there is so much complexity. And when you read papers and things, they're giving you general information. Every, every mm -hmm. person has, if it's something specific, which might change dramatically the answer that you would give. 
Okay, which uh, pivots into uh, another line of questioning that I want to ask. And I, and I do want to mention 866-970-9622 is the number if anybody else wants to join us. Uh, we're happy to talk to you. But um, this whole uh, thing about um, uh, creating a relationship with your lawyer, creating a relationship with your insurance agent, creating a relationship with your realtor so that you have that personal bond of confidence when it does get to specifics of your own case. Um, Dottie, what, what should people think about when venturing into the market and engaging a realtor uh, in terms of appropriate behavior, appropriately connecting? I know it's a broad question, but it really is important because of the relationship is important. And if the, if the realtor thinks you're a, you know, a pain in the neck or, you know, just somebody that they don't like, uh, it could be a problem. So maybe you get my drift. What should a person well, think about coming into the market and engaging you know, a realtor? I, when I bought my home in the Hamptons, I didn't have offices here yet. So mm-hmm. I had to use a broker. And uh, what was important to me was I, I, I tried a couple of different brokers, and I found that, you know, some of them were a little bit knowledgeable. Some of them, you know, a lot of them had the same listings. But then I came across a broker who, as she toured certain areas, she would tell me the history of the house. She knew when it sold, how much it sold for. She just was so much more knowledgeable. And I recognized her time constraints, so I'd say to her, look, I don't have a lot of time either. Take me out during a weekday, maybe, and let me see a lot of things. I think you have to have a rapport. I think you should. I don't think it's necessarily how long someone's only been in the business. I think you have to feel comfortable with the person. I feel, and then I think that um, I don't want to say that you can't sell something out of your area, but I try to work with brokers who really um, know the area better, and especially in Manhattan, um, where you're dealing with co-ops and condos, you really have to deal with a broker that understands the ins and outs, and an attorney, and a finance person that understands the ins and outs of that. But at the, at, at the end of the day, I've always said this, I said this on the show, you could give me the best doctor, but it's important for me to feel comfortable and have a rapport and, of course, have someone who I think knows what they're doing and, uh, you know, is able to help you navigate um, through the process. Do people do things that annoy you, though? Are there do's and don'ts in terms of um, when you contact a broker and you, you go out, uh, you're in a suburban situation, you get in the well, car with a broker? You should, uh, do some let people me put waste it this your... way. Here's another tip that I like to give buyers. Um, mm-hmm. You know, look, everyone wants a great deal. Everyone wants that one property that comes out, and we're dealing across the country with a shortage of inventory. Well... I would tell people, now I started the business, I was like 26 years old. So people would say, oh, I bought and sold many houses before you were even born. And I would look at them and say, look, I'm really good. But if you don't feel comfortable, if you feel that I'm too young and you don't feel comfortable, by all means, use somebody else. Cool. I think that it's important to put, and I think the team is important, just like we have an ACE team. Yep. Um, we have an know, ace team. Ace we even have our own ace. Listen, Dottie, Dottie, the music's playing. We're going to take a quick break. We'll finish up on this, and we'll, go, we'll even do more. Uh, we're talking with Ace. We're talking with Dottie. We're talking with Steve. We're talking with you at 866-970-9622. Michael Harrison with Dottie Herman. It's I on Real Estate.
Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been honoring America's heroes ever since. This year, the foundation is bringing 200 mortgage-free homes to Gold Star and Fallen First Responder families with young children. And to our nation's most catastrophically injured veterans and first responders, Frank Siller connected where America was attacked on foot from the Pentagon to Shanksville to downtown Manhattan, where he retraced his brother's footsteps on 9-11. Thanks to your support, Towers of Light returned to the Pentagon and Shanksville memorials again this year. For the first time, our country recognized the people we lost to 9-11 related illness through the foundation ceremony. And another first is planned for Veterans Day. Those lost in the war on terror are having their names read aloud. Honor our vow to never forget. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, and then T.org. T2T.org. Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father and son founders of Relief Factor, tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right, designed to heal, and now I agree. The doctors who formulated Relief Factor for Pete and Seth selected the four best ingredients, 100% drug-free ingredients that each help your body deal with inflammation. That's correct. Each of the four ingredients deal with inflammation on a different metabolic pathway. That right there. Approaching your pain from four different angles may very well be why so many Americans find such wonderful pain relief. If you have back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or even just getting older, you must order the three-week quick start now. Discount it to only nineteen ninety-five to see if it will work for you too. I think it could. Give your body what it needs to heal itself. Go to relieffactor.com, call 800 500 8384, relieffactor.com. Are you worried about having lung cancer? I worry about everything, of course. But instead of worrying, go see my friends at Trinitas for a screening. If you're between 50 and 80 years old and have a 20-pack year smoking history, you know, like uh, if you've been smoking like that, or even if you've quit in the past 15 years, listen to me, please. It's no joke. It's time for a lung screening. Give them a call. Make an appointment right now at 908-994-5984. It's 908-994-5984. 5984. It's low dose, painless, non invasive, fast and easy, and only takes 30 seconds at Trinitas to have a screening, and it could save your life. Finding out if you have lung cancer while it's still curable makes all the difference. If you catch it in time, you can beat it. Screenings are covered by most insurance. Do it for your family, do it for yourself, just do it. You can count on Trinitas to take care of you. 908 994. 5984. Make an appointment. It's 908 994 5984. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elliman's Vice Chair, Dottie Herman. And for Dottie, with Dottie, is Michael Harrison. Dottie Herman is here at the table. She's the Vice Chair of Douglas Elliman. Ace uh, Watana Suparp uh, from the Citizens Bank is with us, and uh, Steve Ebert from the law firm uh, Kasson & Kasson is at the table. And we have Teresa in Westchester on the line calling in. Teresa, you're on Eye on Real Estate. How are you doing, Teresa? Good morning, everyone. Thank you for taking my call. I have a question. I'm thinking of retiring within the next 6 to 12 months. I'm looking to buy in a 55 and over development. I was wondering, should I, would it be difficult for me to purchase a mortgage after I retire, or should I buy 
the property now or just pay it out in cash. I do have the cash available. Wow. Who's best to answer that? Ace, is that up your alley? Yeah, Michael. Um, And thank you so much for your for your question. Uh, Of course, if you get financing today, it would probably probably put you in a better financial situation in terms of getting a mortgage. But you can always get it after you retire as well, because the banks will take your Social Security, will take your pension, will take a certain percentage of that, and will calculate your income that way as well. So it really depends. And, you know, you can contact us. Um, You can even reach out to myself at ace.w at citizensbank.com. And we can talk first thing Monday morning. And I can kind of walk you through a couple of options, right? Because because it really depends on your personal situation. So I never want to give you an answer that you know isn't customized to to what your what, you know what your goals are. So I right, understand. So, so Teresa, what? what you should do? Um, I, I hear you have a follow up question, but so let me just mention when you get off the phone, Alex will jump on with you and give you more of uh, Ace's info so it doesn't get lost definitely. in the shuffle. Alex will give you my cell phone number as well, Teresa. So okay. I will definitely, um, you can give me a call or um, you, you can leave your name with Alex and I'll give you a call first thing Monday morning right. as well. Teresa, did you have a follow-up question, though, that's applicable to the main audience? Um, I don't want to cut you off too quickly. No, 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 no. That was um, that was my question. Wonderful. I'm, I'm, I, it was answered, so I will follow up with a phone call on Monday. And thank Excellent. you for the show. It's very entertaining and interesting and informative. Wow, you're hitting all the three buttons that we love to hear. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and, Thanks, uh, Teresa. And it's also nice to have nice callers like Teresa and uh, Sarah. Um, I, I want to I follow up on something, Ace, with you that uh, it's a little bit of a pivot away from what we've been talking about, but uh, we've sort of skirted on it. Um, how important is it for somebody that wants to um, buy a, a house, a home, to get financing in advance, to 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 find out what they could get and get some, I guess it's called a letter of intent or a, a, a letter of agreement from a bank. Uh, could you explain that uh, to our listeners and to me? Oh, Michael, it's it's critical, right? And, and I I believe myself, Dottie, uh, Stephen, we talk about it every single week. Um, preparation is key, right? And we talk about getting a pre-approval. Uh, Dottie will talk about that uh, before we you even think about meeting with a realtor, especially in, a, in an environment where there's bidding wars and there's so much competition out there with, with such low inventory, you want to make sure that you allow yourself enough time to prepare. So, um, you know, really look going and, and approaching a loan officer way before you're even thinking about purchasing, purchasing a home can put you in a very good position in a couple of different ways, right? So the three key intricate um, sort of factors that a bank will look at your um, approval rate would be your credit, your income, and your assets. All three components may take time for you to structure. And if you allow yourself enough time, even if you don't have good credit, will allow you enough time to, prepare, to repair. So what do I mean by that? So I broke it up into three components, your credit, your income, and your assets. So credit Let's just say you've had stellar credit, but for some reason you didn't pay for, let's say, a credit card that you had no idea uh, you were late upon. You have time to go and and repair that um, credit sort of um, score or or blimp in your your score by 
contacting a third-party vendor or even contacting that institution and sort of coming up with a solution. And, and usually that takes a little bit of time. In terms of income, if you're looking to change jobs or, employ, or employer, there's certain implications as it pertains to going to a self-employed uh, from a W-2H earned income. So if you speak to a loan officer, they may say, hey, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Jones, if you're looking to open up your own practice, you may want to wait till after you get the mortgage because if you're self-employed, you need two years of tax returns. So that's the employment piece. Your assets, depending on what you're looking to buy, what you're comfortable putting down, you may not have enough assets and you could put together a financial plan with the loan officer to save enough or explore different options where you may not need to put as much down. But in the case where you may need to put a little bit more down, it'll, it'll, it will allow you a, a path forward to sort of put that business plan together on what you actually need for a down payment. So uh, preparation is key. Time is key. So you want to allow yourself enough time to sort of work on those three aspects of the um, process. And you put yourself in the best position possible, Michael. So taking taking and, it and even. I, oh, go ahead, Dottie. I'm sorry. I, I just want to add something. If you're a seller, and you have three or four offers, and one you know one person you know is not doesn't have a pre-approval, meaning they they didn't check their credit, they didn't. Well, you're taking a risk taking you know you're taking that buyer because that buyer then can tie up your house, go to contract, and get the client for a mortgage. So, you know, if you're a seller, I'd rather take an offer that's a little bit less, but I know that this person has approved, can get a mortgage from hopefully Citizens Bank, and, okay, the the only thing that's missing is the appraisal of the house. Um, if you're a seller, you don't want to take the chance that somebody has something in their credit that they didn't even know about, um, because then your house is going to go back on the market again. Hmm. So it puts you in a competitive advantage. Obviously, that's why when someone has all cash, someone says, well, that's great because there's no conditions. They're paying all cash, and, that's, and, no, and nothing else matters. So it is very important, and if you're a seller, you should make sure that someone has that approval before you accept an offer. Dottie, how common or un- yeah. how common or uncommon is it for somebody to come into a deal with all cash? Is that is that is that very rare? Does it happen more often than not? I think it, I think it happens. Obviously, you know, there's more people that take mortgages, but I think it's happened more lately. I think people have had money on the sidelines. There's money around, and um, from a competitive standpoint, obviously, it makes your offer stand out. Uh, and a lot of people will buy all cash, which you can do, and then purchase the property, and maybe their 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 bid wins because it's all cash. And then after they purchase the house, then they go and get a mortgage. Mm-hmm. Now, and, and that would be called and, and it, refinancing, it, right? That's refinancing, or not refinancing because you've already fin- it's it's already paid for, so it's not refinancing. Uh, Ace, you were saying, was that you, Ace? Steve, well, the uh, other thing I want to point out, and a a big mistake that I see clients who are not familiar with the process make, is they have an incorrect assumption that all sort of financial institutions are the same, they're all offering the product, the same product, and rates are all about the same. There's a lot of variance between banks, how they underwrite 
and their appetite for quote-unquote risk, right? Some banks are much more willing to work with the self-employed, work with people who have a high level of bonus income. They look at investment properties differently. So it's absolutely critical that you understand the bank that you're going to. I think Citizens does a great job on this, but even you know, with, the, with the lady who called in a short while ago about deciding whether or not to you know, purchase while still employed or not, well, how they look at income, not all income is the same, right? Salaried income is the easiest, but running your own business or having rental income or investment income for a trust, not all banks underwrite that the same. So it's absolutely critical that you really have a partner here with whoever your lender is and understand how they approach that process. Because you call the wrong person, you can get a no, when in fact you could get a yes on doing that transaction. Fascinating. I know most people are, are terrified at the thought of going to a bank and talking to the banker or to the loan officer. It's very intimidating. It's, uh, it's very similar to seeing a doctor. Um, and, uh, you, but make sure you tell them everything. Don't let them find a surprise later on. Mm. Hey, Ace, I want to ask you a question. This is a stupid question, but there are no stupid questions, so I'm going to do it yeah. briefly. Um, we were talking about you know, the bank taking a look at your credit and looking at your assets and all that stuff. Do they specifically look at whether or not you pay your rent on time? Is there, is, there a, is there a consideration in terms of the microcosm, the microscopic looking at the details that, hey, they paid their rent every month on time as opposed to they were late with their oh. rent? Is there a connection Michael, there psychologically? All, yes, yes, definitely. And, and first of all, you know, this is why I love being on the show, listening to Dottie, listening to Stephen, listening to yourself, My, Michael. Just give advice to our audience. I was smiling before when Stephen was explaining the differences between incomes. And, you know, Dottie was talking about, you know, the seller needs to be prepared and, and find a qualified buyer. I mean, all of these things that we're all sharing with the audience today are so critical uh, when when separating yourself from the competition, and Michael, you asked a very key question, right? Is someone's payment history or rental history important to the bank? Definitely, Michael, because think about it. The bank is lending you probably 80% to 90% of that home, right, that you're mm-hmm. purchasing. They want to make sure that you have the responsibility and the wherewithal to 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 be on time and have that responsibility. So, you know, we always talk wow. about... You know what? What? Oh, and we're coming to the end here. So yeah. it'll be a little <laughs> the bit. The band is playing. Here, oh, look. yeah, yeah, exactly. Credit card, payment history. It all. It, okay. It's all important. Yeah. Hey, hey, leave them wanting more. I, I got. I got to wrap it up. Dottie Herman, thank you so much. Next week, Dottie's going to be in the driver's seat. Ace and Steve will be here. Thank you, Alex Garrett, and thank Michael you, Harrison. Michael. It's I on real estate. I on real estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank NA. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.